Uh, well, two things. One, I've had a little bit of a sinus thing going on for the last like week, and then the Cougars winning Friday night and the Bears winning Saturday did not help me yelling over and over and over. So hopefully we'll make it through our sermon this morning with my voice, but congratulations to you guys that are part of that as well. It's exciting things. Man, when I've thought, been thinking about peace this week, really what it brought me back to was probably the last 18 years of ministry experience for me. And really what began to play in my mind were like, man, what are all these circumstances, whether it was big or small, where someone kind of went through some tribulation, some trial, how did they respond? Or even in those moments uh, where, where the bottom fell out of people's lives. And I'm sitting in their home when really everything they kind of hoped in had, had been taken from them. And how did they respond? And I'm going to be honest with you guys. There's a stark contrast between those that knew Jesus and said, man, I have followed Christ. And how they responded in these moments to those that don't know Jesus. And if you want to go a little bit further into that, those that walked closely with Jesus, those that had a relationship that they constantly were living and learning and growing in Christ responded differently in tribulation and trial. And when the bottom fell out, then those that would say, hey, man, I believe in Jesus. I go to church on Sunday. But that was about the extent of their walk with Christ. There's something to be said about our peace. God is concerned with our peace. And, man, I, there, there's a handful of moments in ministry that stick with you forever and I just got into Flower Mound at the church there, and this young family came to our house, brought us food like week one. This sweet family that became a friend of mine, it was him and his wife and their little eight-year-old daughter, and they came to the house, and they were just those people that you meet sometimes, you're like, man, you know they walk with Jesus because you can just see it permeating out of every part of who they are. As the worship leader, even at that church, there was in the service they would come in, and they'd always sit in the same spot, and I would just have to like for a moment look over there because the fervency at which they sung and worshiped God in those moments encouraged me. Like This was a family that was just plugged in, serving, following following, being selfless with their time and energy and resources. And there came this day where they took a trip down to Houston. And the wife and the daughter decided to sit in the back seat of their little car as my friend drove. And there was this massive pile up on 45 by Huntsville. I mean, they said it was like 45, 50 cars piled up. And in that moment, my friend lost his wife and his eight-year-old daughter. And man, I remember just the, the tragedy that, that that brought, even for our church, but specifically for him. And sitting with him, talking with him, and he's like, man, Matt, will you, will you sing at this funeral? And uh, our, our thousand seat auditorium was standing room only as believers and non-believers gathered together for this wife and this daughter. And in the midst of this, you know, you're like, you're challenged and you're encouraged and, you, and you're feeling sadness and, and, I, and I'm, I'm talking with my friend, and in the midst of all of this, there's still like this overarching peace that I can't even put into words for you. Man, was he devastated? Was he broken? Was this the, like the most horrible thing that he had experienced in his life? Yes, but somehow in the midst of all of that, even in the fear and the doubt and the uncertainty, he walked with this measure of peace uh, that, that really challenged me as a person. I remember he invited us over about a month later, Katie and I and the kids, to eat with him. He cooked for us. <laughs> and we sit at his table, and my kids are playing up in his daughter's old room, and we're talking about his wife and his child. And even in that minute, he, he was like, man, they knew the Lord. I know the Lord. And God is still good, and he's still faithful. And he's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but he sustains me each day, each moment. And I leave those moments and I'm going, man, like your mind can't help to kind of go to the what ifs. 
Like I'm sitting at this table and I'm kind of like, man, what if, what if that's me on the other side? Like what if, what if that's my wife and Hannah or my kids? Like, man, God, would I respond that way? And I'm challenged to go, man, I hope that my faith is, is more than just words. I hope that when the bottom falls out that I'm going, yes, you are the root and the source of my joy and my hope and my peace and I'll cling to you. But there's also this encouragement because I go, man, there's also this grace of God that, that provides a covering and a peace in those moments that we don't even go after. He just does it for us. And it doesn't get us through 30 days or the next month, but it gets us through the moments and the hours and in that particular day to, to see the next day. And so I'm encouraged that, man, God will not forsake us. He will bring us peace. This was important for you and I. And not only does he care about our peace with God, our salvation, but he also cares about the peace of God that he will bring to us in day-to-day matters. And this is what Advent is about. It's the recalling, it's the remembering that peace entered into the world for you and I, that we could have peace with God and we could obtain the peace of God through Jesus Christ. And so I want us to turn to Luke chapter two and we're gonna begin to see part of this account that you've heard over and over, but I wanna look just for a moment at this place where the angels come and they declare to the shepherds that Jesus was born. And I want us to look at some things that maybe for the first time we've, we've actually never seen before as we've read. And so we jump into Luke chapter 2. Jesus has been born. Starting in verse 8, God comes to the angel of the Lord. He says, I want you to go to the shepherds. I want you to meet them in the field this night. And I want you to tell them that salvation has come. Now, before we even jump into this scripture, I want us, one, to just know a little bit of background about what it meant to be a shepherd in this point in Jewish history. They were not like the high-class people of the world. In fact, they were looked at as very lowly, as nothing, as worthless. They were not the religious elite of their time. They were men that probably didn't have much to do with God, that society didn't care much about, that were spending all their time out in the field with animals, and they were looked down upon. And yet God goes, hey, to declare the message of salvation, to declare the fact that the Lamb of God has come, I want you to go to them. I want you to go to declare this to those that would be looked over by the culture. And we jump in in verse 8 and it says this. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. This makes sense. Like, let's take out the spiritual side of the story. You and I are chilling out in the woods, looking over some animals, and then some being bursts through the sky with great light and starts talking to us. You and I are going to be a little bit scared. At least I am. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, that doesn't scare me at all, and I'll hide with you. That's great. But here's what I also think is going. There's more going on than just this fear that like this angelic being just hit the sky. I I think there's a fear of the glory of God. This is the Shekinah glory of God, this brightness that cannot be looked upon. This This is the holy God of the universe that abhors and hates sin. The one that is gonna cast all his wrath on sin to make things right. And all of a sudden, his glory shines before these men that probably have nothing to do with God. And I'm guessing they probably feel a little like, man, we are undone. It is about to go down. The judgment of God is about to come on our lives. And they're fearful of the wrath of God. That's what I believe is happening. Every person that's ever gotten in the presence of God, that was the response. 
And so here they are thinking in their minds, man, we have done terrible things. We have had nothing to do with God. If he knows our thoughts. He knows our, our actions. And now he's here and justice is about to be served. And I just wonder too, like in the church today, maybe you even this place, you're like, this is why I don't go to church. This is why I don't like being in this gathering right now because you begin to feel this weight of the wrath of God and the judgment of our sin. And here's what the angels declare to him. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you great news of joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, for the first time on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Like you have this normal reaction from these shepherds saying, I feel undone in the presence of the glory of God. And they go, look, man, don't be scared. Don't be fearful. There's great news coming. We're not, we're not here to, to make you pay for your sin. We're, we're here to declare that someone has come to pay for it for you. Some commentators would even say there's, there's the likely chance these shepherds were probably the ones looking over the lambs that would be slaughtered for the, the day and the day sacrifices of people. If you remember the Old Testament system, right? They would take this lamb each year and they would, the, the high priest would slaughter that lamb and it would be a temporary covering, a tempora temporary payment for the sins of the people. But it wasn't permanent. It didn't clean the conscience it didn't make you clean forever. And there's part of, a, a part of commentators going, maybe God was like, hey, go to the lamb. Go to the people that watch over the lambs that no one cares about. And tell them that hope and peace is coming. And the lambs that they have been tending to, we are bringing in the lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world forever. And it was for you and it was for me. This is this beautiful picture. And then he says, for the first time ever, what? And on the earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Now this is important, church. It doesn't say that God ushered in peace for all of humanity. That's not how this reads. The angels didn't go, glory to God in the highest, and now because of Jesus, there's peace. He doesn't even say there's peace for everyone. He says what? There's peace among those whom he is pleased. This is extremely important this morning. Peace among those whom God the Father is pleased. Those are the people that have peace with God. And I want us to take some just real introspective moment here and go, hey, would you take time just to, in a moment, start recalling in your mind places you've failed morally, places you've been angered and embittered, you've been lustful, you've been judgmental, you've been arrogant, you've been prideful. These places where you'd go, man, these are the moments in the secret place that my mind or my, or my actions went further than I really ever wanted them to go that I feel shame and guilt about. And then we go, hey, the only way to have peace with God is for him to be pleased with you. And we sit in that and we go, man, is God pleased with me? Is he pleased with my life? And so it begs this question, then how do we get to a place as men and as women where the king of universe that hates sin, that will pour his wrath out on sin, is well pleased with you and me? And the angels tell these shepherds, hey, there's coming a man born in Bethlehem that will bring that peace, that will give you a new name, 
that will give you a new identity, that will take your sin away if you place your faith in him, and the Father will be well pleased with you because of Christ. This is the greatest news that's ever come. This is the joy and the hope and the peace of Advent that Christ has come to make us right with God, to give us peace with the Father. And I want us to turn to Romans chapter five because Paul kind of alludes to this in a great way. We go, okay, if, being, if God has to be pleased with me in order for me to have peace with God, then how do we do that? And I think for some of us, we know this intellectually, but our lives are completely different day to day is how we live this out. Some of you guys know very well the things that we're about to read. You've heard it over and over again. And yet you live your life on this treadmill of trying to earn the favor of God, to please the Father so he won't be dissatisfied with you. And we're about to read that he's going, in Jesus, I am well pleased with you. And so here's what Paul says in verse chapter 5, verse 1. He's, he's been telling, telling us up to this point that it's not about the law. It's not about these rules and these things you've got to keep on the checklist and hopefully God's satisfied with you. And you sit in this room, you go, man, did, was I good enough today? Was I good enough this week? Did I read my Bible enough? Was I kind enough to strangers? Did I give enough of my time and my energy? We don't sit in this room under that banner because it's weighty and it will crush us. But instead, he says, faith is what Christ has brought in. And he says, therefore, verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, let that sink in even though you know that well. If you've placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus, his life, what he accomplished, the Bible says that we've been justified. That's a legal term that says you have been declared not guilty. You have been made right. You've been given a new identity. And now we have peace with God. And you and I, if we know the Savior, we sit in this moment and God looks at us despite what your day, your week, your mind, your actions have looked like. And he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased because of Christ. This is the good news that the angels were bringing. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. He's like, man, this is, this is where our hope and our joy is set in. It's set in the fact that you don't have to be good enough. Jesus was perfect for you. And he continues on in verse 3 and he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given, been given to us. So he says, listen, in, in Christ, by faith, you've been made clean. You can rejoice in this grace that has been given to you, and even when the hard stuff comes, big or small, or maybe that moment where the bottom falls out, he goes, you can, you can rejoice knowing that I'm with you now. You have peace with God. And now through the Spirit, I'm going to sustain you by giving you the peace of God. In verse 6, he says this. I, I love this part. Like, Christmas is awesome. Advent season is awesome. But also it's this really clear reminder that you and I just kind of suck at life, which is good. Like, it's this declaration, Advent is this declaration that you and I couldn't do this on our own and God came after us and sent away for us. Some of us love that, some of us hate that because we love to say, man, we're strong. I can do this on my own. And God's going, man, you are weak beyond belief. 
You're more sinful than you ever know, and there was no way for you to fix what was broken, and so I did it for you. That is what Advent reminds us of. Listen to what it says. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, made right by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Did you hear who we are in this paragraph? We're weak. We're ungodly. We're sinners. We're enemies of God. And the wrath of God stood over us. Yeah, when the angel comes before these shepherds, I guarantee you they're feeling an immense amount of fear because they knew they were weak and they were sinful and the wrath of God stood over them. And they go, listen, there's good news. Christ has entered into the world that you might find peace with the holy creator God. And he's gonna take you while you were his enemy and he's gonna make you sons and daughters. And Paul's going, look guys, like we walk around as though are we pleasing the father? And he's going, if he loved you and died for you as his enemy, will he not sustain you now as a son and daughter? Our identity is so important to understand who you are in Jesus. I believe one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is to lie to you and I about our identity, to live in this world where we go, maybe God's not well pleased with me. Maybe this is dependent on me. Like I, I believe that whole Jesus died on the cross thing, but you don't know about my life. And you sit in this room under guilt and condemnation and Jesus is going, I have come to set you free. You are my son, you are my daughter, you have been reconciled. And listen, it says you have been saved from the wrath of God. And this is worth celebrating. There is very much a wrath of God towards sin. There's coming a day where all broken things will be made right, that justice will be served. And he said, man, the penalty for this sin, this wrath that will be poured out is death and eternal separation from me with, the, the, with, the, with Satan and the demons in hell. Like that's literally what's gonna be poured out. And Jesus goes, let me gladly enter into time and space and history for my enemies, for those who were weak, for those who were sinners. And I'm going to gladly, joyfully put myself on a cross and take the wrath of God upon myself for my people. And the angels go, shepherds, and there's peace to be had. There's tidings of great news and great joy. And the Bible says that if we place our faith in him, that we will have peace with God. But here's what I love, man, that God is not just this like up in the sky God and he goes, look, I'm gonna save humanity and then I'm gonna leave you to yourself until you come back to, to me. He's a very intimate and personal God and he's, he's also very concerned with our peace day to day. And as we begin to have the peace with God, we, we receive the peace of God. I want you to listen to this. There's this moment, we read this in John when we were going through John. And Jesus is sitting with his disciples. Man, he's sitting with his best friends who are like, you are everything to us. We have nothing outside of you. And he's telling them, look, I'm about to go to the cross and I'm gonna die and I'm gonna be gone. And he looks at his friends in the eyes 
And, and here's the intimacy of our Savior and King and God. Like the, this person that is, this being that is omniscient, omno, omnipresent, he knows all things, he's at all places at all times, he's outside of space and time, and, and yet in the same moment he can be sitting with his disciples, looking them face to face, and he's going, I'm, I'm about to leave, boys. And the Bible says he looks at them and he sees that they're distraught. He sees that they're scared and fearful and anxious. And here's what the Bible says. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he's looking at him. He goes, look, guys, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He goes on a little bit later in John 16, 33, and he says, I've said these things to you that in, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Man, the peace that Jesus ushered in, this, God does not promise to you and I that there's going to be an absence of tribulation. But he promises that his presence will be with us in them. And he's looking at his boys and he's like, look guys, I know you're, you're stinking terrified right now. You're full of fear and worry and anxiety. You think your life's up for grabs right now. And just know that I'm about to give you a peace that is not like the peace of the world. And, and here's the reality, guys, especially in our country. Like, we get to enjoy some peace that the world provides. There's stability still in our country that provides a little bit of peace. But here's the problem. With any amount of peace that the world can give you and I, it's temporary and it's fleeting and it's not guaranteed. And Jesus is looking at his disciples. He's going, I'm about to give you something that is guaranteed, something that will never leave. It's going to be found in the presence of my spirit that will dwell in you. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. You know, this week... Um, well, two weeks ago, Katie decided we needed uh, life insurance. I, didn't, I haven't had life insurance since I started this church. I'm living on that uh, church planner's life right now. And I don't know if she's trying to kill me or thinks I'm about to die, but she's like, we need insurance for sure. And so the traveling nurse comes over to my house two weeks ago, takes my blood, and we get back a few days later, the little readout. And I'm going to be honest, I don't go to the doctor much. I hate the doctor. I'm one of those people that passes out with needles. I'll be honest with that as well. I'm weak-minded. I get it. But I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, to me, it's like, I'd rather just not know if there's something wrong. Like, let's just live life and everything's okay. And so the results come back and everything, look, I, I found out two things. One, she was like, you're fat. And I was like, yeah, I knew that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but two, <clears throat> she said, my, my liver readings, there's like three or four liver readings, and I'm no doctor. Um... But, but the, the thing that they gave us was like a chart, and it was like a number line, and there was green that was good, and there was red that was bad. And all four of my liver readings were like four to five to six times higher than the chart would even go. And so I'm like, that's probably not good. And my wife's an RN. And, so, and she's a detail person, and she's a Google person, and I'm like, that's just a deadly combination. Because every time anybody's sick, she's going to tell you like 12 things that could take your life that this possibly could be and freak everybody out. And so she's looking, and I can tell that she's super concerned. And then she turns to me and starts talking to me because I'm like, am I okay? And, and she's trying to pretend like she's not concerned, which made me extremely concerned that now I know you're concerned, but you're pretending like you're not concerned. Am I going to die? Like, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. And all joking aside, man, she's like, hey, we need to go to the doctor, and we need to do this again, and, and we need to really feel it, figure out what's going on with your liver. 
And so Monday, Tuesday this week, I think there's something about the Lord. He's like, hey, Matt, when, um, I think just for pastors in general, he's like, you get to preach about stuff and we're going to let you live it out. It's awesome. It's really great. Um, and so Monday and Tuesday, I'll be honest with you guys, man. There, there was, I let my mind begin to kind of go to like the what ifs. You know, like I knew probably everything was going to be all right. But I began to go, man, what if, though? Like, what if? That would kind of be par for the course, right? Like, you're playing at church, and spiritual warfare comes, and then all of a sudden you've got this, this thing going on health-wise that's about to wreck shop in your life. And I let my mind kind of go to places where it's like, what about my family? What if this is really bad? And I began to feel that angst and that weight and that worry. And I kind of carried that with me most of this week, to be honest. Thursday was my doctor's appointment. Went in, passed smooth out, by the way. I'm just going to be honest. Jen Kane works at the little thing here. She's part of our church. She comes in. I was like, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> I'm laying in the floor. My wife's laughing at me. That was, that was its own thing. But anyway, great doctors up there. Um, but I go to this concert. I don't know if y'all saw, but Harris Creek had Shane and Shane come in. I've got some friends that play in that band, and we got some tickets to go see them. And they're singing their Christmas stuff. Um, and I'm sitting in this worship time. And man, we're singing the gospel, we're singing about the arrival of Christ, the hope that's found in Christ, the peace of God that he's given us. And as I'm singing, and then I'm listening to others sing over me these truths, I sit down in that concert, and I'm just like, look, God, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's about to happen. I mean, I don't feel like something crazy is about to happen, but if it does, like, I trust you. I, like, I'm, I'm giving you this, because I'm carrying it right now, and it's creating fear and worry and angst to me. And that's no good. Like, you love me. You're for me. Your promises are true. You love my family. You love my kids. Like, you will sustain and you will provide. And I, I'm just going to be honest. Like, in that moment, for the first time all week, it's like, it, it didn't all go away. When like, I was like, oh, sweet, it's a bed of roses. There was still a little bit like, please, Lord, let this come back and be okay. But I felt peace for the first time that week that, that I hadn't had all week. And, and I'd fix my eyes on Jesus and his promises. And, and then all of a sudden, the peace of God began to give me peace within uh, side note, got the stuff back Friday, and man, they all came back to perfectly normal, which was awesome. And I think that was either I ate something really bad or God's awesome and answered prayer. One of those two things, but I'm thankful everything's okay. And, and even in that moment, like even with peace, there was still this big sigh of relief where I was like, praise God. But, here, but here's what I want to tell you, man. God is concerned about your day-to-day -day peace. Like not just the bottom falling out. Absolutely, he's there for that. But I just wonder for you, as you sit in this room, like, how is your fear and your worry and your angst just about the little things of the day or the month or the year been? Because he's concerned about that. And he's brought a way for you to find peace in that. I, I, I love Psalm 91, verses 1 through 2 and 4, and, and here's what they say. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. And verse 4 says this, He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are our armor and our protection. Man, when we lived up in Flower Mountain, our house faced north, and we had this really cool, our house was old and quirky, um, but we had this really cool um, covered porch, and we had a swing, and we'd sit in it, and when the kids would play in the front yard, it was awesome. But there was this moment, I always had these barn swallows trying to get up into my porch. 
And at one point I had this barn swallow come and I'm already going out there. I'm like, it's on, about to go down. And I had three little kids and they were like, dad, let the little bird build a nest. We want to see the babies. And because I had three kids that I love, I was like, fine, I'll let this diseased animal crap all over my stuff and we'll have the babies up there. That's cool. We'll do that. And so sure enough, the babies come and I'm actually like, man, that's actually really awesome. And they're about two days old and I, I kid you not, this, this storm out of the north comes in and when it would come in out of the north, it would just batter the front of our house. I mean, it was an old house. Our ports would flood like standing water. Uh, our swing would just smash into the side of our house. It was not good when these big storms would come in. And sure enough, one came in and I'm talking about wind that was bowing the trees. And in my mind, I'm in there and I'm like, those birds are gonna die. This is gonna be horrible. I'm gonna have to have a funeral for like four birds with my kids. And so I go to the window and I look, and here's what's amazing to me. In that moment, as the wind and the rain is beating down on my front porch, this mama bird is hovering over that nest, and she has got her wings wrapped around that. And you can literally see the wind and the rain kind of beating on her back. And in that moment, the Lord was like, that is exactly what I do for you. Like, it's clear as day. Matt, I, I provide for you. Like, if you come and you rest under my wings, you'll find shelter, you'll find peace. And, and he goes, man, my promises will be your armor and your protection. And all of a sudden, this mama bird taking the brunt of this storm. And I, I would imagine that those baby birds still felt a little of the wind, still probably felt a little bit of the, of the rain, but they were safe. And, and I think scripture is pointing you and I, and he's going, listen, like I care about your peace for today. Like I want to provide shelter for you in the places that make you fearful and worried and anxious, but you've got to reside under my wings. Man, if you look at even this week for me in this little scenario of my liver, like the first part of this week, I kind of just went off out of the nest and was like, I'm just going to kind of figure this thing out by thinking through it and what do I need to do? And all of a sudden, there's no peace. And I think for a lot of times, things come into our life and we go, man, as a Christian, I know I have peace with God, but I don't experience the peace of God because you're not residing under the shelter of the Lord Most High. And I think a lot of us, we go, man, okay, this thing has come into my life and I'm about to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm about to white knuckle this thing and there's nothing gonna stop me. I'm gonna be stronger. I'm gonna be more courageous. I'm gonna work harder because this thing is not gonna take me down and yet it still begins to wear on us and Jesus is over there going, man, come reside with me. Find peace in me. And some of us, our first inclination when stuff hits the fan is not to go to the Lord not to go in prayer, but to call somebody. And I need, I need to talk to somebody about this, and I need to verbally analyze this, and I need someone to tell me it's okay. And we go and we call the first person. They talk to us about these things. They tell us it's okay. We still don't feel good, so we call the next person. Like, let me tell you this story. We've told like five people. They've all said it's okay, and we still have anxiety. We still have worry and fear. Why? Because the Lord's going, they're not meant to sustain you. They're not the place of peace. I am the place of peace. Praise God that he's given us godly friends that we can go to, but they're not the main thing to go to. And then some of us just have wrong thinking, and we live in the what if. Man, I don't know if you're one of those people that can just let your mind go off in rabbit holes, and you can think of a thousand different scenarios of how this could play out, and it brings the stress and the fear, and God is reminding us in Psalm 91 that his promises are our armor and our protection. Not out thinking it, not out muscling it, not getting your friend to help you walk with it. He is primary. He is the peace. The Lord offers up to you protection and, and, and peace for the day. 
but it's found in him alone. And so, man, there's no right way to do this. I, I wanna give you just a few little things that I do sometimes, all right? When angst or worry or fear comes, there's some very practical things that maybe would help you. They help me. I was at this conference one time and John Piper was speaking and he said this and it has stuck with me since 2013. He said in those moments where fear and worry and angst and uncertainty come and you can't find peace, he said begin to rehearse blood-bought reasons why you should not be anxious. Rehearse blood-bought reasons why you should not be anxious. What does that mean? I mean, I, I think for me, like this week at the concert, all of a sudden I'm hearing these things that Christ had accomplished through the cross for me. And it brought peace. Like people were literally singing over me, rehearsing over me, blood-bought reasons why not to be anxious. And I was able to go, okay, God, this is yours. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll take my journal and I will begin to write down the things that are going, I'm, I'm like, man, God, these are heavy. And then what I want to do is I want to begin to go look in Scripture, and you feel like, man, I don't know the Bible well enough. Dude, you can Google anything at this point. Half my sermon is Googled, okay? <laughs> but you can Google stuff, and you can go, look, I've got, I've got these things, and what does Scripture say about this area of fear or worry or angst that I'm having? And you go, hey, money problems. Scripture's about money problems. And this is like, blam, here's 40 of them. Scripture's about marriage problems. Here's 40 of them. Scripture's about fear. Here's 40 of them. And you begin to write out beside in your journal scriptures that combat against the very things you're trying to hold on to. As silly as this may sound, I think that there's a truth. Like, we're, let's be honest, we're not always reading our Bible 24-7. We're not constantly walking around in prayer 24-7. But I think there's power in even listening to Christian gospel-saturated music. Like, to allow the truth to be sung over you throughout your day reminds you of who Jesus is and the peace that he has brought for you. I do think friends are important, but man, here's what I would ask you about your friends that give you advice in the middle of like crisis time. Is what's coming out of their mouth scripture and truth of God or is it something else? Like your friends have been given to you as a gift from God, but they're not primary and they need to speak truth over you if they're gonna be the ones that sustain you. And then lastly, I think for me, what I'm learning is Man, when my mind goes to the what ifs, I've got to begin to live in like the even ifs. And so what I mean by that is like when, when I begin to let my mind start thinking on things that bring angst and worry and fear and doubt, I, I, I'm starting to go, okay, God, like even if those things happen, you're still faithful. You're still good. You still promise that you're going to sustain. And all of a sudden the sting and the bite that the enemy has in the what ifs begins to go away. And so I don't know what it looks like for you this morning. I, I don't know if you've been walking around and you're like, man, I don't even have a care in the world. Everything's been great in life. There's no fear. There's no worry. There's no angst. But I tell you, if you are like me and there's moments where these come, God is concerned about that. And peace with him and salvation also brings his peace through the spirit for you in those moments. The question is, are you residing in his nest? Like he's given us a way to find the peace. The question is, are we doing that or doing something else? And so here's kind of what I would hope would be our response today. I mean, I've been praying for us as a church. Like, we live in a time right now where anxiety is through the roof more than it's ever been in the history of America. I don't know why all the reasons are. I'm sure there's plenty of reasons for that. 
But if I had to guess, at least statistically speaking, you guys are sitting in here and many of you are carrying some weight of worry and angst and doubt and uncertainty and fear. And the Lord sees that and he goes, hey, listen, I'm not leaving you the peace of the world. Don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm with you. Come and reside with me and allow me to put my wings of covering over you that you might walk in sustainable peace regardless of tribulation. But we've got to go to him. We've got to look to him. And so I pray that that would be what happens in us as we leave. That this week would be a week where we begin to immerse ourselves in the truth of God that is our armor and protection. That you'd make time to be with the Lord and allow truth to permeate every part of your life. And then as we go and we live, here's what's amazing to me. You know, my friend loses his wife and his daughter And I'm going, man, I just don't know how I'd respond. But in this room full of a thousand plus people at that funeral, lost and not, he gets up and he begins to talk about the peace that he has in God. And I'm going, man, what what an incredible testimony to the world looking on to you and I that's feeling the same stuff, that's struggling with the same stuff, yet doesn't have the promise of peace. Remember, peace comes to those with whom he is pleased. And we have this opportunity to go, man, I have peace in these circumstances because Christ. I have peace in the middle of Christmas because of the advent and the arrival of this good news, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And I believe God would use your life, even your tribulation and your troubles, for the good of someone else as well, which is pretty amazing. And so that's my prayer for us, that we would walk in the peace of God this week. Let me pray. So God, we thank you that you are mindful enough of us that you would provide us with peace with you and peace from you that is wrapped up in the person of Jesus, that you have given us a hope and a future. God, that you promise us that it it will be unending and unfailing. It'll be permanent. We thank you that while we were still your enemy, that we were weak and we were broken and we were sinful, the good news burst through time and space that we could have peace with you through Christ. And so God, in these moments as we sing and we think and we reflect, God, I pray that your spirit would move in us. God, I pray for the person that's in this room that carried in with them some fear and worry and angst that today they could find peace in you because you are faithful. I pray that we'd be ministers of this reconciliation that you've given to us. That the world would look on and they'd go, man, look, look at how they handle themselves when all that matters falls apart. How is that? And they would see it's you, Jesus. And so we give this time to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.